Thanks for joining us today. This is Kevin Mullins, pastor at Broad River Church, and we're really grateful that you checked us out. If this message has been inspiring to you, we hope that you visit our website at broadriver.church, and you can go to the plan a visit page and see if there's a time that you could visit Broad River Church in person. You also can give at that same webpage, and you can check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Broad River Church. We hope this message is a blessing to you. very excited to share the word with you today. Uh, and uh, If you are so kind as to open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3, this is part 3 of the Runaway series that Pastor Kevin has started. And uh, if you have the blue Bibles in front of you, if you could, you could open to page 775 and you will find the verses there. We're just going to read verses uh, 1 through 4. Amen. Everyone has it? Okay. It says, the word of the, of, the, of the Lord says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. And we pray, Lord God, that you speak to our hearts, Lord God. You know the needs that we have, Lord Jesus. And more importantly, you know the purpose and mission that you have for us, our, our lives individually and us corporately as a church. Speak to us this morning, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. So, um, as I was writing this, I was thinking of, you know, something that's currently happening, and I'm wrapping up my school year. I mean, I'm a high school teacher, and I repeated this phrase at least 2,000 times this year. That phrase is, write less and say more. It's always difficult to guide high school students into improving their writing, Somewhere in their academic journey, they've learned that if they full essays or fill them with fluff, that it'll just be better. My favorites are those of high school juniors that sometime in October want to jam pack it with every SAT word they learned. Words like egregious and juxtaposition. And as I'm reading a set of 60 by the fifth one, I can't help but remember Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. I don't know if any of you remember that. But at a given moment in that show, Pee-wee would have the word of the day. And as that word was said, you know, Pee-wee would just be like, ah, and scream. I find myself doing that, and, and my wife Amy always tries to like, what's going on? Oh, you're reading essays. That's what it is. But sometimes, too, you know, looking at this principle of 
write less and say more, we could apply it to just our walk and, and, and faith practices like prayer. You know, we've all probably have been in a room with someone who wants to also use SAT words in their prayer and begin with like a statement that says the effervescence of your glory is just awesome. And if we could only learn just to, to write less, say more. In Jonah chapter 3, it's a great example of not writing less, but speaking less and saying more. Jonah 3 is the definition of this principle. And which he's giving a word of warning. And if you look at verse 4, the message that he's sharing with this people is only eight words long. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no fluff. There are no SAT words. There's not this like moving uh, oratory. It's eight words that are captured in one word, repent, as Kevin said last week. So we're going to explore today this prophet and the impact of his message. And the impact that this message will have upon a a city that God caused Jonah to go through. So I want you to walk with me through these first five verses. And if you look at verse 1, we see that Jonah no longer is in the ocean. He's not in in the belly of a whale or a great fish. He's been vomited onto the shores of this urban metropolis called Nineveh. Can you just, just kind of ponder this with me? Can you imagine being a beachgoer that day where you're not going to work and you go to this urban beach? And I'm picturing an urban beach like Miami or even like Orchard or Jones. And all of a sudden, this man is vomited onto the shore. That's not something that you're going to forget, right? That's not something that you're just going to ignore. And as he's, he's vomited upon the shore, I... I'm pretty sure that the people of Nineveh were mesmerized by this action alone. And so, as, as Jonah walks onto the shore, I, I can't see beachgoers just ignoring him like, like nothing. I'm sure that they were heralding him through this great city. And if we look at verse 2 where it talks about this great city, that term, that adjective great is important. Because if you look... It's not Jonah who's calling this city great. It's God. God is saying that there's something about the size of this area. It's large. It has a huge population. We know that studies show us that it probably required three or four days just to walk the entire length of the city. But as great as it was in population, as great as it was in stature, it was also great in iniquity, in evil, in wickedness, in corruption, and injustice. But regardless of that, we begin to see a merciful God. Because we see a city that God is calling great because it's his creation. As, as corrupt, as immoral, as wrong as those individuals had become. God's love, his compassion, his mercy was still towards them. Amen? And so Jonah's mission, very simple, was to deliver this message of warning to the city. And when we see, and and Kevin has covered these first two chapters, we know that by this point in time in chapter 3, he's gotten over his own personal misgivings. Misgivings in an individual sense thinking that I'm not good enough to deliver a message. Maybe even in another type of individual sense is that I just don't want to do it. 
Why doesn't someone else step up to the plate? How many moments have we experienced times such as these? So he's gotten over these misgivings, but he's also gotten over his own nationalistic thinking. Here's a city of people who are not of his own, not his own culture, not his own nationality, not even maybe his own language. And it's also a city that he knows if God is calling this city corrupt and great and sinful, then Jonah himself knew what was happening in this city. If you go back to our, our first uh, part of this series, Kevin shared that this was a city where, you know, it was super violent, a lot of injustice, and it's all before God. So, so Jonah knows all of this, but he's gotten over himself, if you will. He's gotten to a point where I think when you're in the, in the belly of a great fish, you're going to get over yourself, right? And so now he's here in this city. And he needs to cover it with this message. And this is why the message is so short, because the city is so big. There's no time for Jonah to get, get, uh, create this eloquent speech, right? There's an urgency. There's a speed. There's a precision that is needed for him to capture every single person in that city. And as he walked, he was proclaiming this message of repentance, and as he's walking, he's letting them know that there needs to be a change in heart. And those are the things that I want to get into a little bit this morning. Because you and I are also called. We're not supposed, you and I don't just encounter the cross and stay the same. You and I encounter the cross of Christ and our lives begin to change. And in front of those around us, in our home, with our families, in our communities, at our jobs, we are living witnesses, living letters of who God is. And so I want to talk a little bit about this witness because I, I, I needed to get into it for myself a little bit. And one of the things as I was, was researching, there, there obviously has to be something that happens to the human body if you're stuck in the belly of a fish, right? And so as I was looking, I found some individuals were saying, that the acid of the whale more than likely had a, a big impact on Jonah's skin. So not only was he vomited onto the beach of this urban center, his skin is bleached. He stands out. There's something that can't be ignored, right? You can't erase that. So remember the beachgoer we talked about a little bit earlier, who's just trying to tan and, and be in the sun and enjoy a day off? He's, this person, these beachgoers are seeing this. They're seeing the marks of this experience upon Jonah. And if you're like me and inquisitive and curious, you're going to want to ask, well, dude, what happened to you? Right? Your skin is bleached. I'm sure he smelled a little bit like vomit. Right? There's something about him that's going to draw individuals to see what's going on, what experience has occurred. And how great it is if we think about this. That sometimes our most terrible experiences are the very things that God is going to utilize to speak a word of life to other people. Sometimes there's pain and moments of despair that you and I go through. And it's those very experiences that God wants to utilize to speak life into other people. But if we can only acknowledge the fact and not ignore the belly of the whale, but acknowledge that experience... As painful as it is, but if it could speak life to another person, 
who am I to determine the message that I need to bring? Amen? And so as Jonah's giving his, his, he's coming upon the beachgoers, again, I'm sure he got crowd, a crowd who was following him, and they began to usher and herald him throughout this great city, which shows us another lesson. Sometimes our testimony goes before us, right? I am sure there are people in Nineveh who heard what happened to Jonah way before Jonah's bleached body was right in front of their faces. Because when people hear something that is just life-changing, right, they're going to react, and there's this precision and the speed that's the spread of this message. His testimony went before him like our testimony goes before us. We witness to those that, that we know. Think that through with me. And those people know, they know you. Like, they really know you. They knew who you were before Christ, right? They knew who you were before the encounter with the cross of Christ. And so there's something in that testimony that will capture them. When we have an encounter with a merciful, powerful, forgiving God, it's going to do something to us. It's going to bleach our skin. It's going to leave a mark. And we need to be able to tap into that and share that with other people. I, I want to go to a New Testament example. And if you go with me to Galatians chapter 6, there's an early church father named Paul who was sharing writing a letter to a, a group of, uh, to a church in Galatia. And Galatians chip six, six, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 17, he says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble. Look at the second part of that verse. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. When we come and have that encounter with Christ, it's, it's like a crash. How many of you have been involved in an automobile accident? It's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a mark, right? Both, and sometimes even psychologically speaking, I remember when I was dating Amy, uh, my wife, who is my wife now. I was living in New Jersey, and I'm crossing the George Washington Bridge. And today even, right, this is like 15 years ago, I'm on the upper level, and my car gets dragged by a, a, a huge truck. And, and I just remember that moment. And, and you're not going to forget that, right? It's, it's going to leave a mark, an impression about that. Also, hopefully, prove how much I loved her. <laughs> but <laughs> what, this, what this shows, what Paul is saying, is that in his experience with Christ and his encounters, his life has been marked, right? And if you look at other verses, he talks about being shipwrecked, about being beaten, about being imprisoned, about being mocked about being made fun of. How many of us in this room have also experienced some of those marks because of the decision that you and I have made to follow Christ? And although at times we think it's not making an impression on others, it is. Continue the race, right? Continue walking and showing. We also need to remember that with Jonah, he's preaching repentance. He's sharing that word, but he had to experience that first. You can't preach something that you're not doing. I can't become, for example, a fitness guru tonight, right, given the fact that I'm a little overweight, a little pudgy. <laughs> I'm not able to, to share or open up a business that's going to be successful with that. 
unless I experience it, unless my life shows that. So Jonah needed to experience repentance in order to preach repentance, right, and share that experience. If you look at the power of repentance in, this, in these verses, if you go with me back to Jonah, you will see that everyone in that, in that city repented. Everyone is having an encounter with God from top to bottom, from the beachgoer, if you keep looking at those verses, to the king, have come to a moment where they realize that their, their wrong, their error, their sin, their injustice is just way too much. In other, in other words, they realize that their life needs to change. There's something that they're doing and the way that they're living, which is, which is detrimental to them and to those around them and to the entire city. So this entire city, from human to beast, right, have this fasting and mourning. They put on sackcloth, which were like potato sacks of burlap, right, cover themselves in ash, and everything stops. And I think that's one of the first most important lessons about repentance. You and I, even those of us who know the Lord, will come to moments where we will mess up. We will make mistakes. We will commit and sometimes huge errors. But we have such a merciful and loving and forgiving God who's willing and able to forgive us of that sin, right? And so, but there are moments where we too, like Nineveh, need to just stop take a break, take a breather, realize and check in with what's going on in my life. What am I doing? What's drawing me away from God and his purpose? So there's a pivotal moment of change in this city, right? And when they hit this pivotal moment, they're turning back decades, I believe, of immorality, of injustice, of greed, of corruption, both poor and rich coming together to realize that there needs to be a forgiveness and a repentance that needs to take place. If you go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 10. I love this verse. It talks to us about godly repentance. And it says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Here's yet another factor. This quote this week, and and it ministered to me, and I want to share it with you. It says, true repentance will be evidenced by life change, not a mere confession of guilt without regard for future actions. In other words, when you and I truly repent, We're not thinking about the moment and capturing and showing just remorse and regret, but we're we're thinking about what's next and moving forward, right? And and making sure that that I'm turning my entire life around. If it's a habit, if it's a situation, I'm ending that completely. I'm making a a huge, just a, a, a change from what that is. And that's what true repentance is. So, in conclusion, a couple things that, we want, that hopefully you're able to see is when you listen and respond to the call of God, he's faithful. He's faithful in delivering his message of grace, 
to those who need to be saved. He's faithful in equipping you with what you need to share his word. And again, let's not get stuck in the fact that maybe I don't have a PhD behind my last name. Or I'm not a reverend or I'm not a seasoned Christian even. There are things that bleach skin, right? Those marks that speak a lot more than someone's degree could, right? And our own personal experience with his grace. So his message, right, uh, is going to, to help us to, to share his word. God desires to use our simplicity, our simple words, our simple testimony. Sometimes we think that we need like, this huge testimony, right, where hey, I was a serial murderer and now I'm saved. That's, that's, not, that's not needed, right? It, we don't need that to go to that extent. Sometimes it's just like what needs to change in my life. Maybe there's something in my family. Maybe there's something in my demeanor that God and only God could change. Remember, I shared with you that you will usually speak to those who know you, right? Know who you are, know where you came from, and you're able to bring change into their lives. Here's another lesson that I think is so important, and there's power in this. That you and I can impact people, cities, nations, and here's one I want to add, families, right? Imagine your own family. I know within our own families, we all have our own issues within our families. We know those family members that we've been praying for for years, and God's able to capture them with his grace. All you need is a word and a mark. Don't ignore that mark that God has placed upon your life for him to to share his grace with others, right, and to forgive them. So I want us to think, who is God strategically calling you this morning to speak to? If, if the musicians can join me on the stage. I'm just going to ask everyone to stand with me. And as we close out the sermon this morning... I'd like you just to to think about those that you've been worried about, people that you love, that you know, maybe people in your own home, people in your job, who need to know who the Lord is. And I want you just to take this with you today. You have been strategically placed at that individual's side to be a living testimony. But if you could just allow your, the, the bleached skin to show, the marks to speak for who he is, God will equip you with the rest. So I'm going to ask you just to join me this morning in prayer. And as we pray, I want you to deposit your faith in the hands of Christ this morning so that he may capture the hearts of those individuals that, that you're concerned about. Lord God, we come before you this morning and we thank you for who you are. You, we are grateful, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace, for your power. We're grateful, Lord, for the simplicity of your message of love. But also, Lord, for its most powerful impact. Because when we come into contact with your cross, Lord, our lives can do nothing but change, Lord. 
And it is those changes, Lord, those marks that go before us to speak a word, Lord. Father, we may not be encountering an entire city, but there are family members, there are friends, there are co there are spouses, there are children, Lord, that right now are being placed before your presence, Lord. And Lord, we are depositing our faith, Lord Jesus, this morning, that you are more than able to capture the hearts of those who need to be saved, Lord God, that are close to us. But apart, Lord, from depositing our faith, we are asking, Lord, for you to use us, Lord. Father, help us take into consideration the marks that you have placed in our own lives, Lord Jesus. And that those marks may speak, Lord, and go before us and capture the hearts of those who need to know you. Lastly, Lord, I pray for those in this room right now who are also just asking, Lord, for repentance. I believe in my heart right now, Lord, that there are individuals right now who are, Lord, just making that decision to turn around from the way they were previously living. Father, equip them with the power, with the strength, Lord, to live a changed life in you, Lord. And, Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that they grow in the knowledge of who you are. Father, we pray for this county. We pray for this city. And we pray, Lord, that you use this church and use this ministry, Lord God, to cover multitudes of sin, Father God, and to bring love and mercy to a hurting place. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.